Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. And I am joined from the start today because there was no area college hoops last night or tonight as you listen to this on Tuesday. It's Terrence Oglesby from the Field of 68, one of the best guys in the biz and somebody I have really enjoyed getting to know here over the last few months. Terrence, thanks for joining me today. And what a day as we record this on Monday afternoon in the Big East. Before we get to Xavier in Texas, we'll talk about that in a minute. What a day in the Big East. The Big East is it was never not back, but St. John's is back in a huge way. Hiring Rick Patino, Ed Cooley goes from Providence to Georgetown, just like a lot of people had talked about and been rumored for a while. The news that we expected to happen happened all on the same day. And oh, by the way, Terrence, it was 24 hours after three Big East teams make the Sweet 16. What a banner day for the conference. A banner long weekend. And if you were yeah. able to take off Monday somehow, like I, I pretty much did. I didn't really do that, but I pretty much took off a Monday. Like uh, what, what a long weekend for the Big East Conference. The three teams playing really, really well. A lot of fun to watch all the way around. And then, you know, with these coaching changes, Patino, everybody's kind of uh, – he, he, he did such a good job of handling this. But like kind of laughing it off, saying, I don't know. I don't even know how to put queens in my GPS. Like, come on. Rick everybody just kind of like rolls their eyes at slick Rick because uh, everybody kind of knew what was about to happen right he had a zero dollar buyout it was going to happen and you what what you get if you're St. John's you get one of the all-time great coaches of college basketball of basketball period he's won everywhere he's gone uh it, this is kind of his last two rock can he do it I think he can and I, I think he can he can get them back deep into the tournament and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later he has that kind of impact he has that kind of ability I think that's a lot of fun it's fun for the league uh poor Val Ackerman she's got to travel here there and everywhere over the next <laughs> few days but what, what you know what St. John's gets is a New York guy New York through and through on his last stop and his drive I was able to watch him coach at Iona I called a Siena versus Iona game in Albany uh, his drive is still very much there. It's very much a part of the DNA of his program there at Iona. Now he moves it right down the road, about 20 miles. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of the same thing. What kind of commitment is St. John's going to give back on their end? Because facility-wise, St. John's is behind. Uh, I, that's TBD to be determined. But I think Rick Patino there just made too much sense for it not to work. Uh, how long have we talked about when you look at the Big East with St. John's, Georgetown, the, the schools that for so long had some pedigree way back when, but since right. the Big East has realigned, hasn't been quite to what people expected them to be. Now, all of a sudden, we talk about St. John's there, and Ed Cooley makes the jump from his hometown in Providence down to Georgetown. What all do you think led to that decision, T.O., in leaving a hometown and going within the league? You know what there's a saying in college coaching, stay ahead of the mob. And he had done as well as you could do at Providence, I think, is what he was thinking. Uh, they make a Sweet 16. They win the league. They make deep runs in the Big East tournament. Like There was a lot of good that happened this season, last season, the seasons before with Ed Cooley and what he's done there. Uh, that all being said, and I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, I think Providence is a good job. Uh, Georgetown has that historic piece of its history to where it's like, hey, they are not only capable of getting back to the promised land and winning these national titles. And, and think about all the history, the Patrick Ewings, the Allen Iversons, all that. 
Uh, but think of him potentially replacing, not replacing, but being in line to be the head coach at Georgetown where John Thompson wants to run the sidelines. I think that's really, really cool. I think he fits that bill. He has that personality. And if anybody thinks that Ed Cooley's not going to be able to dominate the DMV as far as recruiting is concerned, they're wrong. So I, I think where you're recruiting some good transfers at Providence, I think you can really recruit some five-star kids and really the best of the bunch in the portal when you're at Georgetown because Georgetown still has that cachet. It still has uh, the brand. It still has D.C. Uh, I I think it's going to put him at a different level. And I do think that uh, Ed Cooley, by the time it's all said and done, is going to be a legitimate threat to to win a national championship. I, I don't hesitate in saying that. I think he's got that kind of ability coupled with that type of brand. There's a lot of good things happening as far as Georgetown is concerned. And now for Providence, actually, just before we started recording this, we saw that Jared Bynum went into the transfer portal, already seen some roster movement with the Friars. Where do the Friars go from here? You know, there's been a couple of names floating around. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury is one that they would obviously entertain. Another one that I think makes sense. Now, has he had a ton of success yet? I I don't think so. But Kim English is a rock star. He is one of these young, up-and-coming coaches that uh, one holds himself extremely well. He's a former player at a high level, worked under some defensive dudes, excuse me, and Tad Boyle at Colorado, Rick Barnes at Tennessee. Uh, played in the NBA, played overseas, was a, was an all Big 12 member uh, when he played at Mizzou. Like that, that pedigree is there. His personality is there. And I, I don't have any doubt that he'll be able to go into any, any living room that he wants and at least – put a dent in uh, the recruiting some way, shape, or form. Uh, To me, that's kind of the guy that I would really bank on. It's a guy that I would assume wants that job. Uh, He's done a good job at George Mason, and I I had an opportunity to call George Mason in Dayton earlier this season, and he just – he emulates confidence. He has a certain bravado about him that I think the people of Providence would really gravitate to, and and I think he would be a wise choice – uh, if they were able to go down that route. Oh, what a day for the Big East again. I mean, just to Man. bring these names back and keep Ed Cooley in the conference with to bring it Rick Patino back into the conference, like you said, one of the greatest just basketball coaches of all time. And that's all looking forward to next season. We still have a lot to accomplish this season, and there are three Big East teams in the Sweet 16 this weekend. Creighton, Xavier, and UConn all making the Sweet 16. The first time since realignment, that three teams from this conference have made the Sweet 16. And let's take a look in particular at the Xavier Musketeers. They will play Texas in the final Sweet 16 game of Thursday and Friday. They'll play late night, Friday night. Uh, What stood out to you from this past weekend, real quickly, T.O., about Xavier and uh, how they got to this point? I'm going to be honest with you. There was so much basketball played. I remember specifically Pitt and Xavier, so I'm just going to stick to that That's game. I'm not, I'm not even going to try. That to works. I can't remember. I think a lot of people played. listening would probably rather forget the Kennesaw State game anyway, so that's okay. Yeah, I don't. Even, I, I can't even remember it. So I, I'm. they struggled with Kennesaw State, whatever. I felt like they were asleep at the wheel. Pitt, though, that was a, that was a pretty interesting ordeal because Pitt kind of played right into the, Xavier's hands, right? Like they weren't turning it over, but they were taking some shots that might as well have been turnovers. And what did that lead to? Kobe Jones getting the ball, pushing the pace, ending up with 14 rebounds, nine points, or how many, seven, eight assists? Yeah. 
Seven. Like, yeah, seven assists. Like it was, I don't have it right in front of me, but he, he was just so dynamic and how he could ignite the break and how Xavier was able to get shots early in the offense. Where Texas, on the other hand, poses a different challenge. Texas isn't going to take some of those shots. And they're going to make you play a lot more in the half court. And Texas has guards too now. Like you have Adam Kunkel and Sule Boom. They have Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr. Like that, you want to talk about matchups. Those are two quality backcourts that you're going to run into. And in my mind, uh, Paul, it's going to come down to pace of play. Like you, you, you look, is, is Xavier going to be able to push the tempo, score in the first eight seconds? If they're not able to, they're going to have to go against a set defense in Texas that while they're not all that big, they are very strong and they're old and they communicate and they talk and it, they do a really good job on that end of the floor. That's what scares me, especially considering Xavier's defense, while it's shown flashes of being good, it hasn't necessarily been consistently good. That's what scares me a little bit. I think they have their hands full against Texas. Yeah, Texas, one of the most elite offenses and defenses in the country, 15th offensively, 10th defensively on Ken Palm. And one of the other things, too, when you're looking at the Longhorns is they go eight or nine deep. They don't just go the six or seven deep that Xavier does. They go eight or nine deep. Eight especially can get to that ninth as well. Um, so that depth for the Longhorns, that'll definitely play into it on Friday night. How do you think the the Musketeers combat that? Because I think, I think before, before you answer that, I think when you're just looking at the starting lineups, I think it's fairly even. I agree with that. I think it's fairly even, but you get to the bench, and that's where Texas, you know, if there's foul trouble or anything like that, if Jack Nungy picks up two quick fouls early on in the game and, and you start to see that type of a situation play out, that's where the game would start to lean in Texas' favor. I, I think there's a lot to be said there. I think there's a lot to be said there. Texas isn't just deep. They're, they're deep and old to yeah. where, like, if you start venturing into Xavier's bench a little bit, you're starting to get into younger players, right? Yeah. Uh, I think De Desmond Claw has been good. Caesar Edwards has been inconsistent. Uh, once you get past that first five, I'm not saying you get scared because that's not the right way. I just think that there's a little bit bigger of a drop off there than there is with Texas going to their bench. Yep. All right, T.O., I greatly appreciate it. I know you got to go coach a baseball practice here in a few minutes, so I will let <laughs> yeah. you go. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody for listening to this one. We'll have plenty more coverage of Xavier in Texas and the rest of the Sweet 16 coming up later this week. I know a lot of people are making that drive out to Kansas City, myself included. I'll be driving Wednesday afternoon from Cincinnati out there to Kansas City. So we will have plenty of content for your drive or flight, however you're getting there. So that'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.